0: Good morning everybody. All right, to the greatest people on earth. I want you to turn to two or three people around you and I want you to tell them like, "Hey, he's talking about you." Tell him, turn. "Hey, he's talking about you." He's talking about you. That's right. That's exactly right. Now, everybody that's in the auditorium, you got to do me a favor. You got to kind of look over your shoulder. It might be your right or left, but you got to look back toward the camera and you got to you got to tell everybody that's tuning in online, "He's talking about you too." Tell him. "He's talking about you too." That's right, so I just want to welcome everybody that's in the building, I want to welcome everybody who is tuning in online, maybe you struggled getting a ride this morning and that's why you're tuning in online, maybe you got a lot of things going on later today and so you weren't able to make it this morning because you're getting prepared, I don't know, let's just say for your son's birthday party perhaps and that's why you t- tuned in online and then I'm going to get an annoying cheer here but maybe, just maybe, you're a victorious Buffalo Bills fan, okay? Okay. Okay, that was your Bill Mafia opportunity, you missed it, it's over, we don't need any more cheer than that, but just maybe, just maybe you're a victorious Buffalo Bills fan watching from Pennsylvania this morning, and I would just like to say welcome, thank you for tuning in, and I would also like to say to you in Pennsylvania, and to you on row one, happy 17th. Wedding anniversary, is that right? 17 years, congratulations, congratulations. All right, all right. So now that we've all been welcomed, if you're a guest here, I wanna welcome you. My name is Josh, I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm excited to get into today's message. Are you ready for today's message? All right, good, we've been in a message series that we've been calling Unto Us. It's a Christmas series. And what we've done is we've walked slowly through this one verse week after week, and we've been looking at this description that was given about Jesus who was gonna be born. And this description from the prophet Isaiah describes who Jesus would be. And we're gonna go there in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. The prophet Isaiah says this For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so because we're in the third week of the month, we're on the third description of Jesus. In week one, we talked about him being the Wonderful Counselor. If you were with us last Sunday, you heard us talk about how he is our Mighty God, Today we're going to look at him being our everlasting Father, and then next Sunday when we meet online only, everybody. Next Sunday we will, Where are we going to meet? Online. online only. We will be hosting our Christmas Eve service right here at 4 p.m. But we are going to meet next Sunday online only. And I want to I want to emphasize that we have put together. I guess we're putting together a Christmas Day online-only service for you. It's going to be very small, very cohesive, and our hope is that you'll just be able to put it into your day at some point. So it's going to post very, very early in the morning and just be there at your disposal. You can go to cotr.live to find it, or you can search Church on the Rock, St. Augustine on YouTube, and you'll find it there. And here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. That for for, for many, many people, I'm, I'm just plugging next Sunday really quick, and then we'll come back to Everlasting Father. You good? But they say, and the song says, that it's the most wonderful time of the year. But for a lot of people, it simply isn't. And the prophet Isaiah described that Jesus that was going to be born, who has not only been born but lived a perfect life, went to the cross, died on the cross, went into the grave, took the keys from hell and conquered death, and then was raised to life again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, by the way, was described by Isaiah to be the Prince of Peace. And I just feel called to communicate to people that in this season, you need that more than ever before. So I'm, I'm, if, if that's you, please make time to listen to that message next week. If you know somebody, that you think, man, that would really be important for them, I would encourage you, copy the link, send it to them, teach them, show them, get them connected. I just feel like God has called me to speak to people next week that need the Prince of peace. Amen. That's that's next week's plug. Today, we're gonna to talk about Jesus being the everlasting father. And anytime you bring up the father, and you start talking about fatherhood, it can evoke a lot of different kinds of emotion. You can have you can have a variety of such. You can have people that have that have terrible experiences with father. Just terrible. Maybe your dad was absent or awful or whatever. And anytime the concept of fatherhood comes up, it's it's not a good thing for you. It's it's a negative nostalgia. You're like I don't really want to go there. Maybe you are so disassociated from what a father could be, should be, or what you desired it to be that the concept of fatherhood for you is just really difficult. Maybe you're neutral on the subject. Like yeah, my dad was all right. You know whatever. I mean he was around. I mean he wasn't perfect, but he wasn't awful. And for you, it's just it's a little bit more of a neutral thing. Others of us may have this incredible experience. Like in your opinion, you know, the best dad ever. And anytime we talk about fatherhood and God the father you're just like yes because you embrace the concept of what a father is or or was or could be some of you right now it's it's a it's a tear in your heart because the father you had you no longer had and so the concept of fatherhood can just evoke a wide variety of emotions I think we all could agree yeah here's what I want to invite us to do today in the best way that you can Regardless of your experiences, your opinions, or feelings, when it comes to the idea of a father, I'm going to ask you to do everything in your power to remove yourself from those feelings. Because no matter what side of the spectrum or anywhere in between your father landed, none of them even come close to a comparison to Jesus, our everlasting father. The best of the best dads that could ever be described in our church family don't even come close to the idea of Jesus, our everlasting father. And that is hard to wrap our minds around. But the truth is, and no offense to your dad, he just doesn't even come close. And I want us to do our best to just look at Jesus for the father that he, in my opinion, describes himself to be. And so what I want to do is I want to take you to a very popular passage of scripture. Many of you may have heard of it. Some of you perhaps have not heard of this, but there's a story in the Bible and it's the story known as the parable of the prodigal son. Ever heard of it? If you haven't heard of it, that's okay. I'm going to catch you up to speed today. You'll know exactly what we're talking about the whole time. The story is a is a parable which means it's something that Jesus is using as an illustration. Jesus was a world-class storyteller. And he would use these stories when he communicated to help people have an understanding of principal truths and, and thoughts and, and hearts that he had toward people or something that he wanted to teach. He was, he was like the best at it. And he begins sharing this story about this, about this son who lives in the home of a very wealthy father. He has an older brother. But he's probably got the youngest syndrome. Come on, maybe you're the youngest or you got a younger sibling and you're like, oh my gosh, they got away with everything. They got everything. Come on, right? It's probably a lot of reasons for that. I'm not even gonna get into it. But this youngest son... for whatever reason, decides, Dad, I want to get my inheritance. I want to go ahead and get that right now. And I won't go into the details of what that looked like, what that may have conveyed. Like That's not the idea of the story. But the, the idea here is this, that ultimately he's told, okay, fine. If you want it now, you can have it all now. And in this story, Jesus tells us that this prodigal son goes off and he just wastes it all. And he finds himself in a really, really bad spot. He's not only in a bad place physically, he's in a bad place mentally, emotionally. I'm just going to assume spiritually. And he gets to this part in his life where he says, i got to go home. And there's a lot of beautiful things. There's so much in this story that you could draw out and teach from. A lot of beautiful things about how the son had a heart of humility. He had a heart of change. He went back to the father's house and said, I'll just be a servant. Give me all the chore. I mean, he had a real transformation from his experiences. But I, all, I honestly think that this, that this story is perhaps mistitled because there's so much in here that we can learn from the Father. That's what I want to talk about. And I want to emphasize today that Jesus, the everlasting Father, is the one who tells this story. And so what I want to do is pick this story up. We're only going to look at a couple of verses of it, and I want to pick this story up at the point in which this prodigal son, who had wasted all this money and resources and time and energy and probably had a list of regrets in his life now, has shown back up to the house, and he stinks a little, and he's dirty, and he probably doesn't look the same, and I would imagine that his head is hanging, and he's in a bad spot, and he shows back up to the house with a complete heart of repentance and he says all these nice things to his father that I'm very sorry, that I don't deserve to be here. You don't even have to call me your son anymore, I get it. But if you'll just put me on your staff, like I'll just do chores, if you'll just allow me to live here, because even the servants live better than how I was just living. And if it's alright with you, I'm just begging your mercy, I would like to come home, it's a, it's a deep moment. of of repentance and sorrow and probably embarrassment. But I, I just want us to look at these next few verses, and I want us to look at how Jesus, the everlasting Father, describes the heart of this Father. Here's what he says. But his Father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and get a ring for his finger, And sandals for his feet and killed the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Leave this up for me, Rob, if you would. I want us to look at this together in the context of Jesus being our everlasting father. There's a couple of things that I want to point out, and we're going to start at the bottom. I just want you to recognize something, that Jesus, when describing the heart of a father toward a child who had blown it all, he said, this son of mine was dead. Can I just talk to the parents in the room for a moment, because how many times Has your kid screwed something up, got in trouble at school, broke something, misbehaved, got thrown out of the movie theater, et cetera, et cetera, and then you get back home and you start talking to your spouse and you say, that son of yours, you know what he did today? Can you believe what she said to me, this child of yours? And it doesn't it, doesn't. don't we have this tendency, doesn't it seem like when they misbehave, we would like to cast the, the identity and the ownership to the other side of the creation, right? Guilty? Come on, parents, guilty? Can I just see your hands? Maybe if you're in the chat, you can just give me, give me a hand up saying, yeah, I've done that, I've done that. I love the fact, I just love the fact, that the everlasting father, in a description of his fatherly response to the most messed up child, said, This son of mine. This son of mine came home. My son. Like there's pride in that. And I can't imagine how it must have made the young man feel. But there are some things that he says. He says, I want you to get a robe and a ring and some sandals. And what I want to do is I want to unpack this a little bit, and I want to talk about what these three elements may represent from our everlasting Father. Number one, the robe is, I believe, the everlasting Father's way of saying, I got you covered. The everlasting Father covers you. Let me say it like this. He has your back. There's something unique and special about a covering that sometimes is hard to appreciate or even understand. Because, again, I'll speak to the parents in the room for just a moment. Like your kids, those little tiny people living in your house, whether they are three or 33. And some of you guys are like, pray for us. We're trying. We're like... <laughs> but regardless... There's a gap between their understanding of how you cover them, isn't there? They have no idea the sacrifices that you make, the stress that you go through. They have no idea what it requires for you to make the mortgage. They do not understand how much a bag of potato chips really cost. You cover them. And really appropriately so, because at certain levels, they shouldn't know. If they're three, it's not it's none of their business. That's what, as parents, we do. I got you. I'm here for you. At 33, let's start teaching them lessons. <laughs> okay, groceries are expensive these days, and you're going to chip in around here mow the grass. Come on. All right, I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> My point is... That they really don't understand what your covering actually is, what it costs, and how hard and difficult it can be. But conversely, how many of you guys remember leaving mom and dad's house, getting into the real world, and starting to gain a gravity of understanding of like, oh my gosh, adulting is real. But there's something about the covering. And what I love about Jesus describing this father is that, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says... I got you. You're covered here. In your worst condition, in your dirtiest moment, in your most humble and embarrassing state of mind, in your condition, I got you covered. Cover my son, my son. Because he, she, okay, I know we have ladies in the room, and daughters belong here in this house. I love what the Bible says in Psalm 5, chapter 12. It says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord, and you cover him with favor as with a shield. The Father covers his children. And Jesus is giving this description. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, son. Don't be mistaken. I know you're embarrassed. I know you're dirty. I know you blew it. I know you got a lot of things wrong that we need to sort out. But when you come to my house, I got you covered here. And I love how the Bible will even describe Jesus that says that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. The expression of, yeah, I got you in the prodigal moments. I've got you in the pit. You ever been in a bad spot and you're thinking to yourself, who am I going to call? Who am I going to turn to? You're going through your phone or you're thinking in your mind, like, who do I trust to come see me in this condition, in this moment? It's really nice when we have friends that we can turn to. Can we agree, my goodness, I've got friends that I like in the, I mean, I, I could be totally, totally in a bad spot. and I could call them, they're going to be there. But I'm telling you right now that, that Jesus is saying, the Father always has you covered every single time in your worst condition. This son of mine, put a robe on him because the everlasting Father covers you the second thing that we see is the ring and I want to communicate to you that the everlasting father gives you identity the ring was was in this culture it wasn't just like it wasn't just a ring it would have been a signet ring like bring the ring that identifies him to be a part of this family This household, under my covering, under my authority, I want you, son, to have the ring on your finger because I want you to know who you are. And I don't know about you, but I'm definitely guilty in this situation and in this time. But there are so many times that I will not identify myself as a son of God, but I might identify myself as a pastor, I might identify myself as a father. I might identify myself as a friend. And and there's a difference between what, what you do and who you are. And the father gives identity to his children. And this ring that Jesus is describing this father to offer is to say, no, 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 in your worst spot, I want you to know who you are. Can I tell a story this morning? Is that okay? All right, good. I got some permission Can I tell a story that some of you are not going to like this morning? Okay, I got more permission. I'm going to use this illustration because I believe it works here. But just a few weeks, I'm a deer hunter, everybody, and I know some of you guys are like, here we go. So I apologize to all of those. All right. I am also a tree hugger. I just do it for different reasons. I like to be about 17, 20 feet off the ground. It's just, it's, it's perfect. I am a deer hunter. Um, I am a, I prefer to bow hunt. It's just my, my preference. I'm not prejudiced though. I'll shoot them with bullets, hit them with cars. I don't care. Um, but I do prefer to use arrows. It's my, it's my method. And so if just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I am out in Texas and uh, I'm hunting with some people that have really become great friends and uh, and, and anyway, I'd, I'd gotten permission to shoot a particular deer. It was like a bonus deer, okay? And uh, they're like, hey, you know, you can, you can shoot a nice one. But we got a couple others that you can shoot. And there was one in particular that I was after because it was the biggest one of those. <laughs> I, want, I want to shoot the big one, right? And so um, I'm sitting in a ground blind, and let me make this as quick as possible. And I'm, and I'm bow hunting. And anyway, this deer comes in, and I get as what should be as a bow hunter a chip shot, okay, 23 yards, 23 yards. That, that is like easy money, man. That's, that's what you, ground level, we're face to face. And I go full draw and I settle my pin and I pull my trigger. And as soon as the arrow hits that deer, I'm going, uh, uh yeah, yeah. And I'm watching him run away forever. And I'm like, I am not sure about that. And instantly, instant. I'm not thankful for the moment. I'm not excited. I'm mad at myself. Instantly. Instantly. Like, bro, you know better than this. You've been doing this a long time. Like, those should be the easiest shots you get. You had it. Everything was all the conditions were most ideal. And you go and blow it. And I this is the inner, this is what's going on. And so we come back to attempt to find this deer and we don't, and uh, which is some of the sad reality of deer hunting, that sometimes they get away, and I always tell people, I- I'll get over it, I'll get over it in 15 or 20 years. I'll move past that, <laughs> all right? It hurts. I don't like to lose. I don't like to make mistakes. Uh, I-, I like to win. I'm an achievement-driven kind of a guy. I don't like to give myself much slack or much break. I just, man, it's like I just... I just want to be perfect, and it's hard, but I want to be. And I'm out there in the woods, and I've got a couple of, couple of friends, one of which is, uh, you guys ever have somebody like this? They're like a friend, a brother, a father, a mentor, like a lot of things. I got a few of those. One of which is our, is our very own Charlie Lamont. Come on, if you know him, you love him. I think he's in the room, maybe. this I see him. He's over there in the room this morning, and I'm with Charlie in the woods in the dark, and we're trying to find this deer. Charlie don't have to be out there. He just is because that's who he is. And, and we're out there. And, and I, here's the, here's, I just want to, I'm, I'm using, I'm making this longer than it needs to be. But I'm using this to illustrate because the whole time we're out there, I found myself saying things like this. I'm a veteran and I'm making rookie mistakes. That's a chip shot and I know better. And the whole time I'm just gaining frustration because the fact is, I'm I'm experienced enough not to make that error. I've done this so many times that it's like, bro. And and that's so. This is what is coming out of my mouth. I don't know if Charlie even knows that he was teaching me a lesson because every time that I would say something to that effect, I'm playing like a rookie. He would immediately say, no, no, no. And he would say something positive in return. And Charlie, I don't even know if you know. It's natural. Just The, the amazingness just falls out of his pockets. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. But when I grow up, I want to be Charlie Lamont. And every time that I would say that I should know better than this, and I can't believe it, he would every single time reinforce something positive back to me. And it wasn't me. I wasn't looking for compliments. I didn't want no compliments. I didn't deserve no compliments. I deserve to be beaten for this. You know, that's how I feel, right? But every single time that I would throw anything negative or condescending in my own direction, it was as if, like a father, he refused it. And it was like he covered me. And he refused to let me say what I was saying he refused to he was trying to defend my identity. And I and I and I walked away that night thinking that is real powerful love. And this is what Jesus our everlasting Father wants to do for you. Because can we be honest for a second how many times have you been disqualifying yourself in those moments where you say, I don't deserve this, I'm better than this, I know better, I shouldn't do this. Am I here again? And we all of a sudden we start to just bang on ourselves and come down on ourselves, and we and we start to beat ourselves up, and we have this everlasting father saying, There's a ring on your finger, son. You need to understand who you are. You are my son. And I just want to preach to the people for a second who are like me, because I, this is so hard for me to balance, but I'm working on it. We have life groups that are built for this. They're called Freedom in Christ, and it's about knowing your identity and who he is. But I struggle so hard to understand that my identity is a son of God. My identity is not what I do. It is not how I perform. It is not how much I am liked or approved of or affirmed. That is a separate thing. My identity is that I'm a son. If you're a lady in the room or tuning in online, that you're a daughter of the most high king. That's who you are. And Jesus, our amen, just give God praise for that reality. Because some of us need to understand that. And Jesus, our everlasting father, is saying, I cover you. There's a robe over you. You belong here, and I'll shield you from the attack of the enemy. The ring says, no, 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 no. I don't believe that about you. I'm not going to listen to you say those things about you. I don't want that thinking to be repetitive. You are my son. You are my daughter. And he just reinforces the identity, who you are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is saying, the everlasting father acts like this, treats you like this. Loves like this. John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children of God. There's nothing to do with calling in there, it's identity and who you are. Children of God. Last thing that I'm going to emphasize in this story, in these few verses, is that. The father said, go get sandals and put them on his feet. Put a robe on him and cover him. Put a ring on him and identify him. And go get shoes and put them on him because the everlasting father gives you purpose. Purpose. Purpose is different than identity. My identity is a son of God. My purpose is a father, a husband, a pastor, a friend, successful whitetail deer hunter. Just throw that in there. I'm kidding. That's not purpose. It's just fun. But, but too often times, we'll, we'll link purpose to identity. And what we'll do is we'll disqualify ourselves because our performance is poor. I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. And we'll disqualify ourselves like the son. I don't belong here. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just, put, just give me chores to do. If you'll just throw me a few crumbs, if you'll just take care of my basic needs, I'll work here. God, I'll earn it. I'll prove. I'll, I'll prove that I'm good enough. I'll, I'll prove you, I, I can be good, I can be better. But the everlasting father says, that's not how it works. I cover you. I identify you. And I will give you purpose. It's a big question. We don't have time to talk about purpose, but here, listen to me carefully. Purpose, identity, covering are found in proximity. to the Father. To the Father. Here's the question that you can be answering. What things, what people, what places draw me closer to the proximity of my Father? What things, what places, what people draw me away? Identify the difference. Listen, you might expect the preacher to say some things like this that's coming. But you have to understand something, and I say this from the most genuine spot of my heart. I don't say, be a part of the church because I want your church attendance. I, I, I don't say it like so I can get something. I say it so that we can give something. Because remember earlier when you were looking around and you were saying, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. Do you remember what I said right before that? The greatest people on earth. And you told your friend, well, he's talking about you. And someone said to you, he's talking about you. And oftentimes we have proximity to the father because we're near the father's children. I need to be around people that are trying to go where I'm trying to go if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I should get around Jesus' people. And I, I want to get around people that, that want to please him and that, that want to live for him, that want to better understand their identity in him. I need to get around people that, that have the, have some of the same battles that I battle, like the difference between who I am and what I do. Because I don't have to earn anything for God to love and approve and save I me. Mean, nothing. I don't have to earn that. That's what I get. Am I making sense? And there's a lot of ways to get connected to God's people. You don't have to just show up to church. I mean, we have people at home right now, traveling in their vehicles right now, and they're connected. But we also have a serve team where, where people get together. You know how many times I've seen people that are, they're, they're like they're showing up to serve, but they're off to the side just praying for each other? Why? Well, they found out something went wrong or something went right. And they are just, man, let's pray about that right now. One of my favorite things to do is walk through the lobbies of our, of our campuses. And just see serve team members huddled up in prayer, laughing, telling each other jokes, inside jokes, little, little friendly jabs toward one another. That's relationship, man. That's life in the body of Christ. That's what it looks and feels like. And some of you guys are like, that sounds amazing. We'll come get in proximity. We have life groups that will begin January the 29th in the new year is our next semester. And you can get around people to put you in proximity Am I making sense? I'm, it's not just about attending things, but like get around people. They'll help you. They'll draw you into the heart of God. They'll get you closer to, to who you're trying to be. The robe covers you, the ring identifies you, the sandals give you purpose. Jesus, the everlasting Father, is describing these things as a Father. And here's what he says I know the plans that I have for you. I know them. And some of us have been trying to find our purpose everywhere else. The furtherment of your career isn't gonna do it. The next achievement isn't gonna do it. Another raise isn't gonna do it. Come on, somebody. Listen, God says, I know the plans I have for you. And they're pretty good. We should be going to our Father, going to our Father because he covers us. He gives us identity and he gives us purpose. I'm going to finish right here because I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message this week. And I was just thinking that Isaiah doesn't call him Father. He calls him Everlasting Father. It's a little expanded. There's an adjective there. He's an everlasting father. And I was like, well, and and listen, forgive me for being juvenile here, but I was like, well, what does everlasting mean? And here it is, I think we got it. Lasting or enduring through all time. In every situation, in every season of your life, at every age, every new chapter, every mistake, every mishap, every time. This amazing father, this incredible father that Jesus himself describes in his story isn't just a good dad. He's a father that endures through all time, always for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there very well may be some people this morning Maybe you're in the room or you're tuning in online. You've never made a decision to step into a relationship with this Father. But Jesus, he says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to my Father except through me. And if that's you this morning, I would love to invite you just to make a decision. Make a decision right where you are to step into a relationship with Jesus by faith. I wanna lead you in a very simple prayer. I'm gonna ask everybody in this room, all throughout the balcony, all throughout the floor, to repeat this prayer after me. Because there might be one or two people, there might be five or eight that are saying it for the very first time and I want them to be able to say it with total confidence. And here's the prayer, I want you to say, Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart, forgive me my sin, wash me, cleanse me, make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Would you put your hands together and celebrate the life change as I pass the mic to my brother.